All right. This is Polo. This is Becky. We here. We coming. The battle continues. This is Born to Battle. And so today, we're going to dive right back in with the window. I know, I know. We got a lot from this guy. And there's good stuff, though. And something so unique. There's not many people waiting. It's in the spring on. It's a hard reason. It's something uh, my main meal for long is quite fond of now. And it's a card collecting uh, game. So, uh, it's really cool to learn a lot more. And I know this too. Going for hours and hours. Having them one. I'll fall into the card game. Yeah, man, it's been an interesting ride getting back or getting into sports cards. Uh, yeah, the conversation with Wendell is pretty cool. I think throughout this little series with him, uh, it's shown that he's chasing after the things he's passionate about. So he chased after the hoops for a while. He did that. He pursued music. I mean, for the most part, he's pretty successful at it. Um, and then, even though, you know, he didn't blow up to be big time, but he put in work. He met people that are big stars, and, you know, he's, he's had quite the experience in life, uh, more so than a lot of people could say. <laughs> Oh, yeah, to say the least. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Windows, the reason I had gotten into sports cards, um, and all it takes is you hitting that one big card, and you're like, uh, I'm in this forever. <laughs> it's a rush, huh? Yeah, it really is. And it's, you get that, like, that feeling of like anxiousness when you're opening a pack, and, and then like when you, see what card you pull and it's like a really good card you just like this pure joy that comes from it um but yeah well it goes into this conversation more and more but um before we hop into that we'll do a little question session what should we talk about we can talk about all types of things how about this? This kind of goes in line with uh, the sports cards and hobbies and stuff. Did you ever, or yeah, did you ever ask for autographs from athletes? And if so, who signed for you? No. <laughs> Just no, you did not at all. You're like, I'm going to be an athlete. People are going to ask for my autograph. Um, I wouldn't say that was the reasoning. I didn't. Yeah, I never really felt the urge to get an autograph for me and didn't know much 
uh, for me in terms of of fulfilling the role model role. I, I look up to them so much. And also, I never wanted to bother them because I looked at it from their truth. All the people bugging them for autographs are quick and annoying. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to add to it from one less person. Yeah. I I understand that as well. And I think I the older I've gotten, the more I'm like, yeah, they're just another person. Like, I really don't need their autograph. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do anything with it. Um, but um, when I was younger, I was probably in elementary school or something, and my family was out to eat. Oh, I don't remember the, the restaurant name, but it's closed now. But it was kind of like like us we go tigered area. And um yeah, we were eating there and Bonzi Wells came through and was sitting at a table not far from us and uh I was just like enamored with him at the time. I was like, Oh wow, like NBA player right in front of me. Um and so I'm pretty sure I was wearing a blazer hat at the time. And uh, I think Pete like asked me, Oh, do you, you should go ask him for his autograph. And I was like, oh, okay. So I walked over to his table. And I was like, <laughs> hi, Bonzi, would you mind signing my hat? <laughs> and he did, he signed it. Um, I don't have that hat anymore, but uh, um, I did have it for a long time. Uh. I think that even uh, goes to show in Portland. Uh, and, and during that era, so many of the blazers were out and about because I can recall seeing the handful on public. I don't know if it was just and they were younger at that time or going to the mall more or what have you, but no, it's more than a few outings. And that also could be because Portland is a smaller city compared to other uh, places where I didn't play too. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like, yeah, I guess you don't really see him that often. Um, but I also feel like they're way more exposed these days than they were in the past. So, oh, yeah. so the the feeling of maybe not wanting to be in public as much is drawn out more because of that. I don't know. It's kind of weird, right? Because you think, oh, they have all this money. They could do whatever they want. But at the same time, it's like, Oh, one, they have all this money. It makes them like a target. And then they can't really do whatever they want because, you know, sometimes they'll be surrounded by tons of people like trying to talk to them or ask for autographs. And it's like the two different sides of it that, you know, some people don't even think about. Yeah, and especially more now with social media 
and everything got bigger and bigger, a lot more people recognize them when they're out. Where in the 90s, maybe no one did, so they could go to the restaurant more easily and have a meal and go about their business. Mm -hmm. I always thought, you wonder why they're set in large houses and have everything they need in time. They have a chef, their own basketball court, recording, recording studio, whatever their craft is, and their gym, and so on. So they never need to leave mm-hmm. their house anymore, which makes sense now as I'm older. Yeah, definitely. And... Yeah, I, you never feel like you need that much space, but when you're always like in the light of other people, it is nice to have that space. Oh, completely. It all makes sense, man. Oh, boy. We have really grown up. <laughs> we sure have. <laughs> all right. Um, let's hop into this conversation with Wendell. This is part three. Uh, from our three-hour conversation. And this one's going to focus on the hobby side of things and his whole crazy life experience that came from sports cards and what it's led into now. Enjoy. Yeah. So we usually don't like grill our our, <laughs> our guests with their entire life story <laughs> uh, like you've put out there, but um, we'll give an opportunity for me and Chris to talk a little bit, but yeah. also circle back on this. But uh, you you segued into what you're into now, which is the hobby life. Um, so I'm gonna ask Chris growing up what were some of the hobbies that you were into outside of like the sports world? Man, that was a typical dude to wear. Only thing I really cared about for that sport was collecting shoes and playing NBA 2K. And it always kept me playing video games and just George Zoom. I was Zoom. Man, I was a typical kid, and I didn't care about nothing else. Yeah, for sure. I remember, I like growing up. I was into Pokemon a little bit, like early. That's elementary school. So oh yeah. Uh, and then I got into sneakers and video games, like up through high school. Uh, but like, I think for all of us, sports was a big thing that we spent our time on. Right. You all ever play um parks? Oh, Pogs was the shit. <laughs> you pull up with the best slammer, you take everyone. <laughs> oh, man, you come up with like 10 tubes, like ready to yep. take everyone's stuff. Uh, and Pogs. Oh, man. Oh, man. That's hilarious. <laughs> the big metal slammer, jack up 
Oh, they're the bugs, man. Hey, you, <laughs> you pull up with a plastic slammer, bro. You a hey, you a chump. <laughs> it's a wrap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, what about you, Wendell? What were some of your hobbies outside of basketball and sports? Oh man, I was I was a um I've always kind of just been a collector of a lot of stuff, man. It's weird. Um you know, um I always loved clothes. I'm so happy I'm over that phase of my life. Um, the countless dollars spent on clothes and even designer stuff and just stuff that it was just so unnecessary. Um, but I was the biggest sneakerhead. That was my thing, shoes. Um, and it, I, I had a problem. Um, and I recently just got over that problem, um, probably like three, four years ago. And um, I'm sitting here with over 200 pairs of sneakers, half of them not even worn. And I'm like, yo, what am I doing? And I ended up taking a huge loss because it got to the point, it finally got to the point to where I had to clear it all out. And um, I didn't get nowhere near what I could have got for a lot of this stuff because I had to move it so fast. But sneakers were big um, from day one. Pokemon obviously was was my shit growing up. And um, I remember... Pokemon being banded from Elmonica Elementary where we went to school because you started seeing best friends fight. You started seeing people Aww. steal best friends. You started seeing all sorts of stuff that Pokemon was doing. And it was funny because I was on the blacktop slanging Pokemon cards. I remember it like yesterday when it was banded from the school and I'm just sitting here making money, you know, slanging Pokemon cards still. And uh, that that was probably the biggest the biggest hobby like as a kid but what a lot of people didn't know i was really big on dragon ball z um bro dragon ball z i'm still a dragon ball z nerd man i love all that bro i was collecting the dvds the movies japanese version um the cards all of it um and i still have i just got back when i got back into the sports cards i just got back into the dragon ball um cards too and I'm, i'm a nerd with it man i love i love that stuff Oh, one answer about collecting things that really got you. I don't, I don't, it's, you know what it is, is <sighs> I'm, uh, I'm not going to say I'm money hungry, but it feels good to have something of value that's necessarily not money. Um, oh. and, and I love, and, and I love it that it's something that I enjoyed as a kid. Um, you know, uh, and that's why I love sports cards, you know, and, and it like it was just a plus that it actually started taking off and being one of the biggest investments you can actually make right now. It was just a big plus um, that that happened. Um, but I, I would say that like I, I love I love um, I even I collect jerseys, shoes, memor- all the memorabilia and, and the fact that. You know, it all starts from like, you know, spending something that's not as valuable, but still has some value. And then maybe you can't, excuse me, maybe you can't afford some huge Jordan, you know, $5,000 Jordan jersey, you know, that you really want. That's really your, your, your passion, but you can go buy this player, this player, and this player over time, and then eventually trade it. You know, it's almost like saving, you know, rather than the guy that can't save the money. But if you go buy into something else and you just flip that to go get, you know, what you wanted, I, I just loved, I loved it, man. It built connections. 
um, the hobby so huge, the friendships, like it's, it's crazy, man. That, that's what I'm really loving about the thing about it all really is just the friendships and us, you know, even since Nate got back into it um, and, and some of the other homies getting back into collecting, you know, we're ripping and opening these boxes and, and cards, but then we're also talking sports and talking players and talk like just reliving, just it, it's, it's no more than barbershop talk, you know? Oh yeah. You know, I love it. I love it. Yeah. It's pretty funny. Like never, I was never really into sports cards growing up and Oh no, no, I, I didn't have any actually. Um, and so like when you started doing this, again, or like putting up your shop, I was like, Oh, maybe I, you know, I'll give it a shot. See, see right. if there's anything I like. Right. Um, and then I got into one of your breaks and I was just like, Oh man, this is like, this is fun. <laughs> like, like it's, you're investing in the potential of, of like some great athletes, which is like right. really cool. And, and it makes like the sport way more interesting because you make like really start rooting for people that you never would have thought like, right. I would I'm not going to root for the Cavs. Like nobody out there. Like I like, but now I'm like, Oh, they got Isaac Okoro. And like, I'm trying to see this dude come up. <laughs> oh, the fun part about it is thanks buddy. The fun part about it is, is, you know, the, the, the next season has it start. It's about to start here soon, mm-hmm. but as we're going through, you know, some of these rookies and prospects, you know, the season starts and then the guy that you just never thought would ball the hell out just starts taking off. And then you're running back to your collection like, oh, I think, oh, shit, I got like 10 of him, bro. And the money, it just, his stuff's going through the roof and you're like, oh, let's go. You know, <laughs> it's it's just, it's fun, man. It's just so fun. I love it. I love it. I think I'm a long-term person of fantasy basketball. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. That's exactly what it is, you know. Hundred oh, percent. Um. So, both of y'all have been like on some national uh, TV exposure. So that that's a challenge for me now because uh, I know Wendell's been on like ESPN for his uh, Bleacher Report, like oh, uh, yeah. Ben Simmons card, and then. Yeah. Beckett, you've been on Ellen, so like I need to, I need to do something. <laughs> we gotta get your rep up, man. We gotta. I know, up. right? <laughs> Come on, man. I'm running your ideas, bias. We're Hollywood, down. <laughs> I know, yeah. Know. Y'all, y'all, those B grade celebs right here. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> oh man, this is too funny. Uh, but uh, yeah. So. What made you start your, for for the people that don't know, uh, what made you start up again uh, a business behind sports cards? And then also, it being in the uh, COVID pandemic too, that's a touch on the time. Right, yeah. So, <laughs> um, so finally quitting the music, it was like the first time and I had started like a bunch of like small businesses, you know, before that, you know, we've cashed out some money and then just kind of hopped to the next thing and to the next thing with me and my lady. And, and, um, this was like the first time in my life, you know, I'm a, I'm a goal oriented guy. Like I'm the guy that likes to have the big whiteboard with short term, long term goals and nothing makes me happier than just crossing off goals. And like, that's how I get it done. Like, 
I go back to the board and I'm crossing it off, man. And, and this was like the first time in my life. Um, and I had long talks with God, man, and just trying to figure out like my next path and what I'm going to do. And it was scary. It really was. And, um, but it was the first time that I didn't know what I was doing. Um, no goals, no nothing, like trying to figure it out. And I just know that I just knew that I had to get out of the music business um, just due to the scene and just due to, you know, whatever. And um, just that lifestyle. And um, I was sitting at home at my desk and um, there was this, there was this guy that we grew up playing ball with named Wes, Wes, uh, Wesley. Um, and he kept posting cards to Instagram. And I'd see it, and, I, and I'm not gonna lie, I was kind of like laughing at it, in a in a way when I saw it. I'm just like, bro, this this nigga is really collecting cards still. Like, what? <laughs> like I was hogging, like, like kind of in my head. And um, I looked further into the page, and, and you know, I was like, oh man, I, and I started bringing back memories. Like, oh man, I remember cards like these, and you know, the jerseys and the autographs and the rookies and all this stuff. And uh, he went live. Um, he was getting autographs outside of the Nines Hotel downtown Portland when the Warriors were in town. And he was getting autographs from Stephen Curry and um, Kevin Durant. And he was getting them on like some base cheap basketball cards. And uh, after he was done, he's like, yo, um, who wants to buy these cards? 50 bucks, you know, whatever. And I'm just sitting there and I just, <laughs> just out of nowhere, I was like, hey man, I'll buy them. And, you know, I, I met up with him downtown. I bought the cards from him. I go back. I literally go back home and I'm just sitting at my desk and I'm like, what the, what did I just do? Like, why <laughs> spend $50 a piece on these cards? Like, what the fuck am I doing? And uh, I started, uh, I go back to his page and uh, I, I, I instantly start looking at all of his followers. And I realized all of his followers were like card basketball or, or sport card accounts like Ohio sports cards or, you know, so-and-so cards or collectibles or something. I started noticing that. So I started diving in and going to all these profiles and pages. And that's when I realized, holy shit, like the community's not dead. Like I thought it was dead. I thought it was forgotten. Um, it's just online. You know, people just don't know. Like, people are just hiding behind screens now. That's all it is. Um, and that's when I took a trip down to um, one of the local card shops near me and uh, a place I grew up buying cards from that I hadn't been to in years. And I, I showed them the cards I had just bought. And, you know, I was like, yo, I went on Instagram and I started seeing a lot of people are still doing this. Is it still? And he's just like, yo, it's huge. It's, it's never died. It's doing actually better than it ever has. And that's when I instantly got hooked and I just hopped back in and um, I bought my first like hobby box of cards. In my first box, I pulled a Donovan Mitchell rookie, like Jersey autograph card. And um, he was telling me that it was huge. I knew that it was a Donovan Mitchell and it was like number to 10. I knew it was huge. So I was jumping around like a little kid and shit. And um, it was super dope. Um, and that was my first box. And I found out that that card at the time was around three grand. And that was my first box. And once again, that was my aha moment. Like, yo, there's money into this stuff. And 
I started going looking on eBay and um, cause that's what he told me. Like the, 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 the community kind of goes off of eBay comps and what stuff is selling for on eBay. And I started looking up players and rookie cards and they were going for tens of thousands of dollars. And I was just like, what? Um, and so I just started, you know, buying cards and studying from there forward. And it was literally my second box of cards, hobby box. It was a $150 box that came with 10 cards. And I hit the one-on-one Holy grail, like Ben Simmons rookie card at the time. And given at that time, there had not been any modern card um, that had done numbers like what I sold it for. The card was estimated to be like eight to 20,000. Um, but I kind of finessed it. Like I had some homeboys that worked at Bleacher Report that knew June Lee and he wrote the story on the article, uh, wrote the article and interviewed Ben Simmons on it. And um, the way I held out on some big offers and stuff kind of drove the price up. And um, the publicity on the Facebook group 101, I, you know, I posted on there and, and, you know, I wanted to, I wanted it to do exactly what it did. I wanted it to kind of stir the pot. You know, I posted on the, Insta, on the Facebook group. It was like, it's like a card sports card page, one of the biggest pages. And um, he, uh, I posted like, I pulled the Ben Simmons, Holy Grail, one-on-one solid gold, you know, hundred thousand dollar card. And it kind of went low key viral. Like there's like, 5,000 comments, like thousands of likes. And it did exactly what I wanted it to do. A lot of people hate it. A lot of people talk shit. A lot of, a lot of people show love. Um, um, and that kind of stirred the pot. And once we got the Bleacher Report article published, um, it really took off or it took on a lot of watchers and stuff, thousands. And uh, it was a good and bad thing. Like I got paid out, but it also put a, a good and bad name on me because um, – it really got to the point of I had to change my number three times. People were prank calling me. People were trying to find out or people found out where my girl worked at and was prank, uh, trying to get her fired, um, making up stories. People found out I did music. Someone acted like a, a, a promoter um, that was trying to book me up for a, a gig in Seattle and wanted me to drive out there. And um, once he found out that he needed to pay the money up front, he went as far as to making a contract. And it ended up being like a troll from the group that was just trying to get me to drive out there for no reason, like all sorts of shit, man. And, um, but it, it ultimately sold like my whole plan was it, you know, Ben Simmons to win rookie of the year, make a deep playoff run. And they made a deep playoff run at the time. He won rookie of the year. <laughs> and, um, long story short, we had two, we had a bunch of thousands, like a few thousand dollar offers, but, um, a $20,000 offer came in hoodie. So we had it on consignment at the card shop. They had it on their eBay. Um, and they called me like, Oh my God, we did it. We did it. It $20,000. Let's take this. I'm like, nah, like I'm cool. You know, decline it. And no one in the right mind in the hobby at that time. And mind you, I'm not experienced. I'm still brand new. Mm. You know, and he's like, are you crazy, bro? Like baseball, only vintage baseball does numbers like this, you know, um, modern basketball cards don't do these kind of numbers. Like you need to sell this card like ASAP. And, uh, I was like, no, I'm cool. And he's like, all right. So he got mad. Um, then a $59,000 offer came in. Now this is where you can call me stupid or not stupid, but I guess you can call me or just 
really risky, I guess. But my whole mindset was if someone's offering this and someone's really trying to buy it, if we decline it, that person's not going anywhere. Like, and uh, they were, he was still up for rookie of the year in the playoff run. Um, and uh, so we declined it. He got mad at me again. Um, I told him at that time I was in talks with Christie's in New York, which does like fine art, millions of dollars in art and stuff like that. And they had never done a sports card before, but they saw the article and we were working on a deal of possibly them selling it for me through Christie's. And so I told the shop owner, I'm like, look, man, you can either get on board, you know, or, you know, I'm going to take it over to Christie's. I'm already in talks with them. And he finally calmed down. He's like, okay, fine. And then uh, he won. They got kicked from the playoffs. They won rookie of the year. Then the $100,000 offer came in. And when, oh, my God, how'd you, how'd you fucking know? Like, oh, my God. Let's, and I'm just like, okay, chill. You know, your consignment prices. I told you I wanted to walk away with 100K. I'm not saying decline it, but, you know, we have 48 hours to this. If it's a real offer, we have 48 hours. Just chill out. Mind you, I'm still stoked. Like, as soon as I get off the phone, I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm, I'm freaking out. And uh, so we were sitting on it. And uh, for literally a couple hours, then a $110,000 offer came in. I pass out. I wake up. <laughs> wait, wait. You pass out like you just went to sleep? Or did you pass out like in shock? No, I, <laughs> just to clarify. I, I passed out. I passed out. Um, due to sleep, like it was late at night when we heard the news, ended up finally passing out. And I wake up to Tate, the owner at the card shop. He called me. I missed the call. He shot me a text, and the text read something like another, like one of those, oh my God, window, how'd you know? We did it. Oh my goodness, call me ASAP. I call him, Tate, what's going on? It sold for 110000 We did it. How the fuck did you know? Oh my God. I'm like, okay, hold on. Like, okay, tell me, is it a real buy? You know, because we have a lot of trolls and a lot of haters and I, I wanted to make sure it was real. And, you know, because we, we also were getting a lot of fake offers and stuff too. And he's like, no, it's an official offer. Um, it's a billion. It, it, so it ended up being exactly what I was trying to do. Like the whole time I knew that it was going to be some guy who doesn't even collect cards that was a billionaire that just saw the Bleacher Report article that may like Ben Simmons or may not. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, it was a guy named Lance Combs who owns a hedge fund out in Singapore, Asia. And uh, I was like, okay, um, is, it, is it real? Is it, oh, no, it's, it's official. Like, and this is where it kind of pissed me off. He goes, I already accepted the offer. I'm oh, like, what? what I'm like, what do you mean you accepted the offer? Well, you said you wanted 100000 and it's 110. So I'm like, yeah, but you still you got to wait for my confirmation, bro. Like, things can change. And he's like, but it's real, bro. The money's already in my PayPal. So the money had already been sent in his PayPal. So I was like, oh, shit. Okay. Okay. It's in his PayPal. I'm like, we're halfway there, but still not all the way. The big concern that I had was shipping this card with the, the amount of hate and negativity that we're getting to was send, sending this card all the way to Singapore, Asia. There's a lot of scammers and stuff going on in Asia, like with just eBay and all sorts of stuff. So I was just trying to make sure it was, uh, you know, the real deal. And I told him, I said, yo, this is not going down. Like, I'm not sending it to Asia. Like, you got to figure something else out. Like, why are we not flying somewhere? Like, why aren't we flying there? Like, this is 110,000. Like, we can fly somewhere. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what made me feel like it was a scam because I'm like, why aren't we like flying somewhere? And uh, he's like, okay, hold on. Let me see if I can talk to him, see if we can figure something out. And I guess he had a, a, a daughter, a brother-in-law or sister-in-law in California, somewhere in California. And um, so that worked out. So we figured out we could ship it there. I'm like, okay, I'm cool with that. And then we had to find insurance. So we used, um, it was like DHL or DD something, something like that Some for our, our insurance. And it costs like $2,500 to ship it for insurance. But it only protected us from when it left our possession till it got to the door. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we weren't protected. And I didn't know at the time, <coughs> the hobby uses eBay sales as like an official like industry standard proof of sale. You know, they use the comps of eBay. And so I told them, I was like, yo, I found out he's like, they have a 30 day guarantee, uh, eBay money back guarantee, you know, protection for the buyer. And I told Ted, I'm like, yo, I'm not doing that. Like, I'm not going to send this card and it be some hater and him mess up the card and then send it back and then get his refund. Like there's no way I'm doing that. And he's like, okay, well, let me figure that out. You know, so he reaches back out to him and he tells me, he goes, yo, Wendell, you know, we have to take some type of risk, but I got him down from the 30 to a five day. And I'm like, okay, let me call you back. I talk it over with my lady and we, we figured like we have to take some type of risk. Like if we're not, if flying out is not an option. So it was scary, bro. It was really risky. And we're like, okay, let's do it. So, but what they did behind my back that I did not know about they took the card down from eBay and they made a contract between them two to save them eBay fees and all the fees that come with selling on eBay and all that stuff and the PayPal fees. They took it off of eBay and made a contract with him on a five day money back, a five day, you know, return. And I didn't know they took it off the eBay. Um, So that kind of, had some defamation of character towards me because when I sold it and I didn't know this, you know, I'm telling people in the group, people are like, Oh, he never had it or he never sold it. It didn't sell. eBay says it didn't sell and all this stuff that I had to deal with, which was bullshit. But long story short, um, they took it down. We go there, we package it up. And, and mind you at that time, I didn't know till later. And um, we shipped it out and we're literally watching the shipment, watching the tracking it got to the doorstep and the five days started once it hit the doorstep. So they already had the money in the account. Five days went by. Everything turned out. It was official. I got paid. They cut, but they wouldn't cut me a check. My card was gone, but in the shop wouldn't cut me the check until the five days was up and there was no return. So once that happened, I was like, cool. But I was talking to uh, Beckett, which is the grading company like uh, that does the media and stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, I had the bleacher report article and I was talking to Beckett in regards to publishing another article that the card sell sold. Cause I was like doing these record, like the record, you know, selling the most, the highest modern card ever sold. And the guy was like, yeah, um, we love, we love the story. We saw the article at bleacher report. Once it sells, we'll definitely write the article on you. This is super dope. And I was in talks with them like crazy throughout the whole process. And as soon as the card sold and I got my money, 
I was reaching out to um, the card place that had it on consignment where I pulled it from. And they wanted me to, um, Beckett wanted me to give them all the receipts of the transactions, contracts, all that to, to finalize them writing the article. So I'm texting them, calling them. They kept putting me on hold and said, so, oh, we'll get back to you, man. We're just busy at the shop. And they never, you know, um, provided me with this documentation. And uh, they have this huge card show that happens once a year called The National that it switches between like Chicago, Atlantic City and um, Cleveland every year. And that was coming up. And uh, I was calling Beckett and they weren't picking up. And so they were dogging me. So I was like, what's going on? So this card show, everyone shows up to this huge card show. It's so many people. It's huge. It's a huge event. And I touched down and I told Laura, I was like, as soon as we get there, we're going to go to Beckett grading services and, and talk to him and see what's going on. Mind you, bro. I signed probably like eight autographs as a card collector like, I'm like, what? Me and Laura looking at each other like, what? I'm taking pictures. I'm just like, what the hell? Like, people know me, first, last name, all this crazy stuff. You know, I get to the to the Beckett booth and employees are just like, Hadi, congratulations oh, on the sale. This is, you know, congrats. And, you know, um, I talked to the guy that I was, you know, talking to over the phone. I'm like, what's going on, man? Like, you've been dogging me. I've been, I, you know, the card sold. I'm trying to figure out, like, you know, if we could publish this article, he's like, bro, you didn't hear that. We, we already published the article. And I'm like, wait, what? Oh, like, you didn't yeah. find out until then. I didn't find out till then. <clears throat> so he, he asked for my number. I give him his number. He's like, I'm gonna send you the link. So he sends me the link and I'm looking at it. And the article consists of them promoting their consignment store. Why the Ben Simmons one one shop was the best place to be pulled didn't say anything about my name picture of me no card no nothing like i i think i deserve it because i declined a lot of offers that anyone in the industry would have took um improved to everyone and to myself that i was doing it for the hobby as like breaking a record type of deal and so they were pretty much talking to beckett behind my back mm. and they published it to promote their consignment store. Damn. And that was just a big, like, like, oh man, it, it was so frustrating, bro. And, you know, it, it said, and it literally said, and it was the, the big slap in the face was that it says that they sold the card, like specifically. It's like, yo, I promoted it on the Facebook group. I got the Bleacher Report article. Mm-hmm. You know, you told, I turned down all these offers that you told me to take. And so that was just like a big slap in the face too. Um, but yeah. And, and I wanted to use that exposure to initially start the card shop at that time, two year, two and a half years ago when I pulled it and yeah. sold it, you know, and to use that publicity moving forward. And um, it just led to not being able to and, and, and dealing with like a good name and a bad name. Anyone that was there with me from the beginning knows the whole story, but then there's also some bad out there too, just cause it caused a lot of negativity, like questions. If I even sold it, you know, I never got any of the, like the paperwork or anything like, but I mean, I got paid. So I guess <laughs> to, to someone on the outside looking in, when I tell this story and I, I'm so tired of hearing it, it's just like, Hey, but at least you got paid. I'm like, yeah, it's true. But like, there was a whole, there was work that I put in and there was things of, plan and you know i got snake too you know like yeah and got a bad name too you know in in the midst of things but nonetheless still a cool story still dope and 
but that's where it all started for me. And, and, uh, I'm an addict. I'm a card addict. And do you think now with the sale of that card, that whole industry, it's kind of the uptick now and get more uh, popular and sought after than it ever was? Than it ever was. So, see, and that's where I'm really mad at, too, is because that actually was the burst of modern cards doing what it's doing now. So when I went to the national, there was a show Atani super refractor one-on-one and he was a very hyped pro- baseball prospect. And, um, don't quote me on it, but he, he, I talked to the guy who owned it. I got to hold the card. It was a crazy card. And from told from his mouth, he told me that they, ha- they had listed it lower until they saw me sell my Ben Simmons for what I did to where they posted it higher. And shortly after I sold the Ben Simmons for 110, that was the, that was the record for modern sports card of any genre, baseball, basketball, football. But then shortly after, a few days after the Tani super refractor sold for like 340 something thousand. (laughs) So then after that Vegas, Dave, this big sports gambler, uh, better, um, bought, um, a Mike Trout rookie um, number to five for a uh, red number to five rookie Mike Trout for like 400 something thousand. So then that was a new record. And then he sold that card later for a million dollars. And then he bought the super refractor one-on-one Mike Trout of the same card for around the same price or a little more or something like that. And then the LeBron James sold by a 16-year-old kid for $1.8 million. And then Vegas Dave doubles back and sells that super refractor that he bought 101 for the record of all-time sports deals for $3.9 million. Yes, bro. Like, in a matter of me starting from the $110,000 Ben Simmons. And now, mind you, everyone who has their sale did it from eBay got the respect of selling it. And then mine's just this mystery in the fog, you know, that because of the deal that what, what transpired, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Has that card popped up uh, since? The Ben Simmons? Yeah. No. So rumor has it from them is that <laughs> um, he's a Ben he's a Ben Simmons fan. He's a multimillionaire, so even if this card sells for it won't now because of how he's playing. It still has the possibility. I still believe in the kid, but um, he he's a Ben Simmons fan, but he told Hooties and Tates, the card shop, that you know this card won't even come out for ten years, twenty years. Like it's it not sell it. It's not about it. It's definitely an investment play, but he's. I mean, he's a billionaire, so I mean, what's really a hundred thousand dollar card that turns to a million one day or something or two minutes. Yeah. I mean, it's chump change. So I think it's just more so he likes it. So I don't know if he'll sell it or, or whatever, but he did say that it won't come out for 10 to 20 years. So gotcha. yeah. I mean, there's people out there rumored that they think I still have it. Like they're like, Oh, he's still- <laughs> bro. It's crazy, bro. The stuff these kids talk, man. Yeah. Not even kids, adults, man. A lot of the thing right. came from adults, grown ass men, man. And it was just crazy. It's crazy. 
Yeah. Man, no, I might be hooked on. <laughs> yeah, so what really got me was like I was I was going into this expecting not to hit anything, right? I was like, um yeah, I'll get some cards, whatever. Right. But then I would hit that one on one John Morant and I'm like, I want more. <laughs> right. And you'll see that card is gonna sell. It just depends how you play it, man. And you know, to even to people who were who are supportive and just talking about the sale and stuff, they were like, Hey yo, how do you like are you gonna be sick to your stomach one day if it sells for a million dollars? I'm like, how can you? Like, I spent $150 on a box and got $110,000, but not even that. Like, people need to understand is like, you have to create the market first. Like, the card has to sell for that amount mm-hmm. before it can be or sell for that kind of figure, you know? Um, there's a story, there's this big, huge LeBron James collector that started buying all of his rookie autos and rookie patch autos back in 2003, 2004. And he's sitting on multi millions of dollars in LeBron collection. It's crazy what this dude has. And, um, the $1.8 million LeBron that just sold this year, um, he had four of them. Now, this card was numbered to 23, so there's 23 out there, and he had four of them. And he made a really just – he took it really um, well and made a good post, and he has a huge following and stuff too And um, because people were asking him about it, like, are you sick to your stomach? Like, And he's like, when you talk about 1.8 million, sure, you had four of them. Yeah, you're definitely going to think about it. But at the same time, he got those cards for next to nothing. And he got, when he sold them, he sold them for 56,000 a piece. So, I mean, it's nowhere near the 1.8 million each, you know, but you got to think that like those had to do that to even get it to do the million, you know, million eight. Like someone has to take that first, you know, make that first initial sale. Right. So um, you can't really beat yourself up over it, but, and it's going to be crazy for you. I mean, you're, it's, it's, the John Morant is a, what, second year? Second, yeah, year? second year. But second year cards are a thing. Um, but it's from a pop, and it's college, excuse me. It's college. It's a popular product. Like, we don't know what it could do. And it's just based on, it's going to be, it's, it's strictly on you. He could snap his leg tomorrow and you just be like, fuck, you know, I could have <laughs> and three, whatever it's worth right now. But in the matter of, you know, people are always looking for a sophomore slump. So, like, to see how he comes out and plays this year, like, that's when you're going to see the value of this card skyrocket. Right. You know, so it's it's on you, like, when you want to hold. So it's just like the stock market. I mean, it's essentially exactly like the stock market. Are you holding, you're buying, selling, trading, whatever you're doing? I mean, that's essentially what it is, you know. But, yeah, that was a big one. Damn. I remember I would always see a post about that card. I was like, oh, what's all this stuff Window talking about? <laughs> I didn't know it was that much money in that big of a deal. So props to you for really paving the way. Yeah. You might not get the respect you deserve, but you gotta have the feeling it'll work its way around. 
back to it some way, shape, or form. Right, right, hundred percent. Glory, bro. <laughs> Glory to God. And if you don't, we are about to do a shot of this thing. And you got some racks, so you good. Plain. <laughs> Like at the end of the day, it, it it helped me start the shop, you know, and and uh, I'm I'm loving it now. Like I might have wanted to start the shop a little sooner, but it's here now. To, to be honest, you know, it's so funny, man. God works in mysterious ways, bro, and um, it's it's actually for the best. Now looking at it, it's for the best that it started now than earlier because I still had a problem. I couldn't make the money with it back in the day because I was still so hooked and I was just holding like, so I was still making money cause I was holding a lot of the hits and stuff. But if I would have started a card shop, then I would be opening all my own product. Like, Oh, Nate. So, you know, we did the, the panini one in one or whatever. Yeah. So you, did you actually hop off? Yeah. I well, I left and then I got back on and I saw that Zion. Right. So it was funny because I saw you and I was like, I wonder if he's joking or if he actually left because I used to do the same way. Like you bought a box and you're like, fuck, all right, I'm out of here before I spend everything. And um, now mind you, all the other breaks we did, I'm, I'm itching a little bit, right? Like I'm an addict. Like I'm sitting here like, yo, I want to open some for myself too. Um. But like able to hold back. And then this super hot product with this Panini One stuff was so tempting. I'm sitting here the whole time during the break. Like, so I have my, so let me flip it around for you. So this is like my setup where I break all the boxes or whatever. Um, and this is kind of where I'd be standing, ripping it open and stuff or sitting. And um, when I'm talking, selling all that, I'm sitting here just biting my nails. Like, yo, I want to open this so bad. Like I'm, Bro, I had big urges. What's up, buddy? Mm -hmm. And uh, so Donovan, Nate, do you know Donovan at all? Yeah, I've met him a few times. Yeah, so he comes over, chipped out with racks, bro. He comes over with like at least 20 bands. And he's just like, yo, I need a case, bro. Give me a case. And he buys a case. And I had three. Um, and... Uh, we did his case first mm -hmm. and his whole plan was to just open half of it. Yeah. And sell the other half. Yeah. I was listening. And, to that. <laughs> and I'm like, look, man, what you're saying to me is ideally a great idea. Yeah. But I, I'm telling you, it's not going to go down. Like that. <laughs> you're going to end up opening it all. He's like, I got it. So we open it. He does well. And then he's like, all right, one more. And then one more turns to two more. And then he ends up opening the whole case. Yep. And luckily he hit all those hits. And uh, so he's done. You know, he hit the Zion number to 99. He hit a bunch of RPAs and rookies. And so he's sitting behind me right here. And as we open up the other case to the public on IG um, and we're selling, I'm sitting here biting my nails like this, like, come on, come on, come on. Like, I want to open one. I want to open one. Like, all in my head. I turn around, and Donovan's just shaking his knee, going like, man. <laughs> I'm like, yo, we look like a bunch of crackheads. So, uh, 
<laughs> so he's like, I just want one more, just one more. So I start laughing. I don't bring nothing up. I let him stay in his zone. I get back to it. I'm, I noticed like a couple minutes later, I'm doing the same thing, like wanting to open a box. I turn back and he's literally pacing back. In the <laughs> Man, should I do this? This is going crazy, bro. Oh man, it was so funny. Um, and then he ended up buying the box and he hit his eye on it. Uh, <laughs> oh, he did? Yeah, he hit another number to 99 Zion. <clears throat> One box. Like, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> but that's just what it, it does, man. This hobby is so fun, man. It's just fun. It, but if it's essentially, I guess you could say it's gambling. I mean, it is gambling. You're, you're buying gambling. a box, you hit the next big hit. And yeah. it, I've, I've, seen, I've seen it make people's weeks, days, months. I've seen it change people's lives and I've seen it at its worst form, bro. I've, I've seen it, you know, break families apart. I've seen <laughs> people spend their rent money, man. I try to tell people, man, we are not liable for any divorces. Uh, <laughs> counseling. Yeah. Hey, spend at your own means. Don't try to keep up with the Joneses because there's the next man in the live that's spending thousands or hundreds or whatever it may be. And you just sitting there watching, you're like, oh, man, I want to do this. Like, hey, just stay in your means, man. That's all I can yeah. tell people join this stuff, man. Mm-hmm. For real. I low key, the reason I bought box one, because I was hoping I could see all this, the, 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 all the cases when they came out on the side, because I saw Donovan's come out and it's like, there was that one that was turned. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm trying to see that. What? Huh? Did you not see the second one? I saw it come out, but I didn't see which, which case uh did you hear us say you hear us say there was one turned around was that the one with zion no it wasn't okay good that helps me a little bit (laughs) because that's like that low-key was my thinking i was like oh if i buy box one i I could pick which one and i (laughs) well i think it was vanessa was like yo the hits in the bottom right Mm -hmm. and then schmitty was like asking everyone to go half with them yeah. He wouldn't. And then someone picked that box and that's the one that had the RPA Zion in it. Yep. Ugh. That card's going to sell for thousands. It's crazy. But yeah, yeah, that's, that's the card. The card story, man, is it's, it's, it's coming together. It's up. Definitely. That's good, man. So these shoppers just um, strictly online. Not, um... So people do what we're doing this online stuff that i've been talking about there's people making multi-millions of dollars doing these breaks online specifically from their hope from their house or from their hotel room um so there's a lot of different other revenue streams from owning a card shop because we could have went the route of just doing what we're doing right now from the crib but we were just like yo why not let's just get our foot in the door, get established. And it, like the, we can find a spot that we can take care of the overhead. And, and so essentially the whole business, the entirety of the business is essentially COVID proof because we can run online. So the shop is kind of just extra, but there are, there is some other, there, there's definitely multiple multi-million revenue streams um, from the business for everything from grading cards to breaking to JSA authentication to consignment like where I pulled that um where I pulled the one-on-one card from was from this place called Hooties and uh they're very big on consignment 
um, you know, charging 20% on just selling people's cards and that doesn't cost them anything um, to go post it on their, you know, through their channel on their eBay store. And um, the crazy, the crazy thing is, so there was another story they got actually heat for. There was a guy that walked into their shop and was like, yo, I heard like what this hobby's doing, like what the market's doing. Um, I know my sports. I don't know anything about cards, but I have $900 to spend. What should I buy? And he sold them on this $1,400 product, uh, a box product um, called Optic. And I think they hooked them up for like 900 bucks. And the reason how I know this is because he complained about it, went viral. I messaged him about my situation with my card and we talked on the phone about it. And uh, he said he bought the car. He bought the box for eight, $900. He goes back to his, his car. He rips the open the box. And as he's going through it, he finds a rookie Jason Tatum gold card. It's like a gold vinyl type card. And so he didn't know what it was. He just knew that it looked different from all the other cards. So he rushed back inside. He's like, yo, I just hit a Jason Tatum rookie. Like, what is this? And um, they were like, yo, I'm not going to lie to you. Everyone's looking for this card. This is the one-on-one Jason Tatum. He didn't even know it was a one-on-one. It says it right on the back. It says one-on-one. And he's like, yo, everyone's looking for this card. It's the gold vinyl one-on-one Jason Tatum. He's like, oh, shit. Well, how much is it worth? And he was just like, um, you could probably get 20,000 for it. And, um, if you know anything about this hobby, you know, that that card's worth anywhere from like 50 to 70,000. And, uh, so it's kind of dumb on both parties because, um, they're low key ripping them off. But then at the same time, he should know that he, they pretty much offered him 16,000. So right there on the spot, cash, boom. And I, I, you know, I fault Hooties for doing that type of business. But then at the same time, you got to know if you own, you have overhead, you got all these, if if they're offering you 16,000, the card's worth way more than 20. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're going to offer that, you know, you got to, if it's worth 20, you're paying maybe like seven to 8,000 possibly. Um. So he sold it. Hey, but hey, he walked out with 16 grand. I mean, that's still a come up. So congratulations to him. Um, but, you know, Hootie's got a lot of smoke from that deal and people were calling from the community, you know, all this stuff. And they had to make it right. And they did a post and stuff. But it just they, they ended up selling the card the next day for fifty three thousand dollars on eBay the next day. Mm. And you got to you told me so, this story, but I didn't realize it was that shop. Yeah, it was it was Hootie's the same same guys and it's crazy because Tate is a good guy, he is a good guy, but I don't I don't know why I don't know if I'm just keep giving him the benefit of the doubt or what, but like I, it's hard to you know you hear these stories and it's hard to say either he's good at faking but he just he's genuinely a good guy when you're at least talking to him and like you know stuff like that so I, I don't know man but um stuff like that happens all the time you know. So, and, and, but like, you can honestly tell the guy, like it's 50 to 70,000 most likely, but you got to understand it. It takes talent and it takes work and it takes time to sell something like that. I can offer you 16,000 for it. And they still most likely, maybe it might not hit all the time, but you know, there's people that'll be like, shit. Yeah. If you could catch me out right now, let's do it. You know, Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with that type of business, you know, just keeping it real and, and, you know, doing it that way. Um, so but that happens more than not. Like if you think about it, if you're just one person 
ripping open box after box after box after box and spending, you know, your budget's not big enough. I don't care how rich you are, how much money you got. Your budget's not big enough to just hit these crazy cards all the time. You know, you're going to likely you're going to lose. Um, it's, it's gambling. And that's why breaks are the best because you want, it's better to pay a fraction and try to take a more of a gamble to try to hit rather than just spending thousands. You know, these cases can go as high as, you know, 5,000 to, uh, transcended, I think it's like 37,000 or something baseball and like up to 30,000. So like a case, and this comes with like anywhere from five to, you know, 20 boxes in them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's just really hard to pull, but when you own a card shop and you have a bunch of people coming in and out buying boxes and they're opening them, you know, we are the first ones to be able to make an offer on those big hits. So, um, but that's where you got to keep your, your, your integrity has to stay high and, and, that's what we're going to base our business off of is just fair prices, um, competitive pricing, and as well as just really teaching and, and educating, you know, regardless if we make that deal or not, it's like, I think that's what people are too strong on is the money is like they get down or get greedy or, you know, he felt like he had to rip them off, you know, to make some money. But it's in all reality, it's like, you know, tell them what it's worth, pay that price. If they don't take it, it's all good. You still have a consignment store. Hey, can we sell it for you? Mm-hmm. You know, we charge eight. 12%, 20%, whatever it may be, but we can, we can sell it for you. See, you try to get you the max dollar for it at least. Um, and stuff like that. So there's just so many revenue streams uh, within the shop that I think is great that we have not yet tapped into yet. Cause we're not officially open for business. So right now we are just open online. Watch up. Watch up. Yeah, for but- sure. And what I have seen and what I love about like your, you're so inspired by the hobby. So I, I love right. that about you. You, you truly love it. And, right. And when you see people hit, like you're so happy for them. Like, Oh bro. I, I, <laughs> I love to see your reactions to like hits and it's just like, it brings joy to me to like see that as well. Right. Oh, it's, it's straight. You know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to go hop in alive and see us hit and, Bro, I get totally out of my element, bro. Like, <laughs> and, and people, would, people would laugh if they seen, you know, the thousands of dollars I've spent and the big hits that I've been able to obtain and hit. And there's been many. I've literally lo- have lost my shit. Like, people would watch me like, bro, what are you doing? Like, I've literally ran in circles, two feet leaving the ground, jumping in the air, fucking screaming, yelling, <laughs> shouting. Oh man, it's awesome. It's awesome. And this is the feeling is just, it's so dope. It's so dope. Absolutely. Unless um, a lot of the people wish they could somehow find something to replicate the feeling you get from that, which they can never get the whole life, man. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. It's, you you want to be a part of something. And that's the thing is like when I was, even doing the music, I loved it at first, but things were changing. And that's why I wanted to get out. And then, you know, I started so many different, you know, smaller businesses that, you know, ran its course, but it ultimately led to me losing interest. And that's fine because that just proved to me that like, I'm not loving what I'm doing. I'm a firm believer in entrepreneurship. I'm a firm believer in working for yourself, not for the next man. I've always been that way. And, um, you know, 
you have to try multiple things, man. You're never going to find out what that thing is your first go around. Like if you do, that's like hitting the lottery in itself. Like congrats to you if you do, but essentially it's just not, it's not going to happen the first time around. You got to keep trying. And, and that's the biggest fear is in conception. Like people, they're always worried about other people, what other people think, what other people are going to say, you know, um, and, and I have, I've had friends that have literally, you know, told me like, yo, that's the one thing about you, Dubs. Like, bro, like you just, you didn't care. You always attack something no matter what people would say. And, and I finally, like my boy, my best friend, Chris Roberson, man, he just started. He's been busting his ass doing abatement and construction and, and removing, you know, asbestos and mold removal and stuff like that. And working with really hazardous materials, you know, working for the next man and like, you know, breaking his body down. And the first thing I did when I touched that money was offer um, him and my boy Kamari, you know, they've been doing this together since they were young, um, to start their own business. And I was ready to invest every penny I had because I believe they knew what they knew what they're doing. And they're some of the best workers in the field. Um, but at that time, they weren't ready to start like a business. and you know, they weren't ready, but, um, starting my shop and around this time, my boy, Chris ended up going off on his own and starting his own business from the ground up. And like, bro, it's just so inspiring. It's so, it's so dope to see it actually happen, you know? That's awesome. And and once he's contractor's license. Yeah. So he got his contractor's license. He, I mean, he's, he's official. He's fully official. He's ready. He's all angles construction. Shout out to Chris. Um, all angles construction is his company. Um, and they do it all. They do it all from, from, uh, full on restorations, um, asbestos mold removal, all of it. So yeah, I'm just, I'm just so happy. I'm happy for him, man. And, and, uh, you know, it takes time. He's seeing like the, the struggles of being an entrepreneur and he's seeing the hard work. Like I know that he had talked to me about like, you know, reaching out to some of his older bosses and being like, yo, sorry for being that. Like, you know, that nag of a, like an employee sometimes, you know, on certain things that I didn't know existed as an owner, you know, that now he's starting to through and like, whoa, now I understand why, you know? Um, and, uh, it, it's just, it's just a really cool thing to see. Chris, you want to share an ALS update and then we'll wrap up our, our little talk. So a little ALS update. We have hired a caregiver to help out a little bit right now. And though we start up, I'm in the first of the year. Just to get a little more help with cleaning, me in the shower, and whatever else I needed to. I'm beginning the process of now without much more prepared and ready, especially down the line when I need care a lot more often mm-hmm. than I already do from someone else. So pretty exciting and hopefully it all goes well. Yeah, that's good to hear. Uh, I know it'll definitely relieve a little bit of uh, the work that Taylor has to do um so that's that's good for her as well um good for you you'll have somebody there to help um 
how many hours are you guys planning to have them work? It's so well looking about maybe four to five hours a week. Okay. Uh, we'd love to do eight hours, so uh, two four-hour shifts. Mm-hmm. But we're starting off with just a four hours a week, and then we'll progress into it. And uh, make sure we find someone we like also. So yeah, it's starting off is lowest. So was there like an interview process for you guys? Uh, we're going through an agency okay. to start, and it helps. I uh, kind of at the beginning having some. I guess structure without a body, but we'll see if we use an agency down the line and whatever. So a good jumping off point. Yeah, for sure. And I guess maybe this is a question for Taylor, but what time of the day is going to be? when you feel like you need the most help? I'd love to answer that question. Yeah. (laughs) The time of day that we would need the most help. So when we inquired with the agency, we left it pretty open-ended, depending on when their staff would be most consistently available. And so they set the hours. Um, This first one's 12 to 5, 5 hours. Um, kind of in the middle of my work day, which I'm a, a little hesitant about because I know it takes a little bit of handholding the first couple times. Um, but the big part of their visit is going to be shower and personal hygiene for Chris, okay. uh, which he can do really at any time of the day. Mm-hmm. So we weren't super particular about morning or evening. I got you. Okay. That's fair. I I feel like mornings would be better. I don't know. I think there's definitely pros and cons to both. Having it, so the problem with it being right, right in the middle of the day, I still have to do the transfer in and out of bed, getting, right. him, dressed, getting him undressed, which is kind of the second most energy Right. Um, that it takes to take care of him. Mm-hmm. The fact that they would be able to cover showering, though, that is by far the biggest um, effort on my part that I have to do for Chris. And so okay. if they cover one shower a week, it'll be really kind of awesome. So, yeah, nice. But it also the most intimate time with Chris. And yeah. so he needs to find someone that... He uh, really likes and trusts and cleans him <laughs> well. Uh, <laughs> all, clean all the crevices really well. <laughs> um, <laughs> exactly. Nice, nice. Um, cool. Yeah, I guess, again, there's so many different aspects of the caregiving side of things that, you know, only – some would think about and yeah, I guess 
the cleaning portion uh, is a lot of work. Yeah, it certainly is. I know for me, I don't care anymore. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You have to let go of some of those insecurities mm -hmm. because, you know, this is what you got. <laughs> and I know, man. And like, we grow up so much of, um, yeah, negative and something we are afraid of a little and no one thinks. I mean, yeah, sure. And don't want to think everyone negative. It's um, I definitely especially when they're complete stranger as you do, and that's how I feel them. It's a a weird thing to go through, but yeah, it's life now. Yeah. So you only shower once a week? No, twice. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, and surprisingly, and for as little as I do, it takes the energy um, for me too, like mentally. Mm -hmm. I don't look forward to the showers anymore, but the process. And how much time and everything. Man, uh, back in the day, I could take a shower. I cleaned myself under five minutes and be ready to roll. Now it's an hour or so. As much as uh, she doesn't like and give me a shower, I don't like taking them anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I can understand if when things become more difficult, they don't become enjoyable. So, no. yeah, it's it could be a struggle, and that sucks. Straight up. <laughs> Luckily, I don't stink too bad. <laughs> it was, you should ask Taylor that. <laughs> I won't answer. <laughs> Uh, Wait, that is amazing. That is amazing. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Cool. Well, I'm happy that you guys are going to get that uh, extra helping hands. That's hopefully changes life in a, in a little increment for the better. Um, well, and I, I think it will. So. I think if you just go into it with that positive mindset that you continue to have, um, hopefully you guys get somebody good and just as a smooth sale. And if not, we fire them and get some of them. Yeah. And so I think that is something that uh, works if they're not good. Mm -hmm. All right. Cool. So that's that's brings us to the end of this episode. Oh what? Yeah, that was a a quick quick one for us on this recording, but it'll probably be another hour episode for y'all. <laughs> and uh, it's, uh, 
and TV magic and inspired. Yes, sir.